Before we begin today's show, the important conversation around the NBA and its push for social justice will be a theme throughout the rest of the playoffs and beyond. One of the people having that conversation is our friend Jackie McMullen, who speaks with Pablo Torre on Monday's edition of the ESPN Daily Podcast, which you can find wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, while you're there, you can leave the Hoop Collective podcast a review and tell us what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear more of, or whatever else is on your mind. And now, on to today's show. Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, and we are presented by Goodyear. Drive always discovers possibilities. Goodyear more driven. Going to the bubble tonight. It's uh, Sunday night late, approaching midnight on the East Coast. Um, going to the bubble for two gentlemen. Uh, Dave McMenamin is joining us uh, from the bubble. Hi, Dave. How are you? Hey, Bri. I'm, I'm doing a lot better than I was a couple days ago. <laughs> I feel I'm glad that we're, uh, we, got, we got games again. Absolutely. And um, joining us from, are you, are you still in the arena, Tim Bontemps? That is correct, Brian. Right, was this game, I, you know, for the viewer, it, uh, the venues, you have no clue which the venues are. Are, we, are you at the arena or are you at the pavilion? I'm at the, I'm at the arena. Was the okay. arena in the field house? Uh, I'm, I'm at sorry. The, I'm at the arena right now. The arena in the field house. Um, what a performance um, late here on Sunday night. Um, yet another shootout between Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell. This has been, you know, the series has been disjointed because of the uh, unfortunate events of the last week. And it's not a, let's just be straight out honest. Denver and Utah are not high profile teams. Um, LeBron and LeBron and Anthony Davis combining for 77 points or whatever it was, that gets a lot more uh, attention a lot of times than what's going on in this series. Already in this series, we've had um, them both score 50 in a game. In this one, Denver forces a game seven. Jamal Murray put up 50, his second 50-point game of the series. He hit 9 of 12 three-pointers. And Donovan Mitchell at the other end, who already has two 50-point games in the series of his own, puts up 44. He hits 9 of 13 threes. They're throwing haymakers back and forth at each other. Um, I mean, obviously, I, I had respect for Jamal Murray's game. The man signed a max contract last fall, you know, the, the Nuggets believe in him as a core franchise-level player going forward. But I did not know that he had this in him. And Tim, he was going crazy during this game, yelling. I mean, he was as if the, all the fans were in there, screaming, yelling, gesturing, like he was so into this. Um, man, I mean, I, I don't know if it's fair to say a star is born because, again, the guy's a max player. Wow, does he look spectacular? Now well, he's been fantastic, Brian. Him and Donovan Mitchell both have really taken a massive step forward in this series. I mean, you could be seeing a couple guys that are going to be playing against each other in theory in the Western Conference for years to come. I mean, going at each other in these games or guarding each other a lot of the time, uh, sort of by default with the way the series has shook out. But watching Jamal Murray today, I was talking to a couple basketball, a couple executives during the game on the phone. He reminds me a little bit of Kyrie Irving, and I, he isn't quite. He obviously, Kyrie has had more uh, playoff success at this point, but Jamal's not really a point guard. Uh, he's more of a combo scoring guard, and he's obviously a little bigger than Kyrie, but 
when he gets going, like he has been in this series, the thing that makes me remind him of him is he just makes it look so easy. And he's, he's making, you know, step back three pointers over Rudy Gobert and over, uh, over Mitchell and over these guys. And he's making these ridiculous plays and he's not like Kyrie's not getting to the line a ton. He's maybe five or six times a game for the most part. Um, but he's just making ridiculous shots and, and just making it look really easy. And, you know, I certainly didn't think after game three in this series, this series is going to go very long at all. And for him to play the way he has and get Denver all the way back to a game seven, it's been a hell of a performance. And I'm, I'm really, really excited to see what, what happens here on, uh, on Tuesday night. Dave, Kyrie is one of the greatest um, isolation players ever because of his dribbling. I mean, Murray, he's got a good handle. He doesn't have a Kyrie handle. but right. um, It's no, the Ky- handle and then the finishing at the rim with either hand, with English and angles that I, I don't see in Murray's game. But the pull-up game, certainly he has the pull-up part of his game like Kyrie does. And, you know, to me, what was astounding in the fourth quarter tonight was – I think Mitchell hit a three to, to maybe cut it to six or seven with three or four minutes to go. And Murray comes down with back-to-back incredibly difficult floaters. Uh, you know, and obviously he's contending with one of the greatest defensive players we have in the league in Gobert in, in the middle. And he can't go all the way to the rim with Gobert there. So he's thrown it up like a shot put from just inside the foul line, but it falls nothing but nylon. And, I mean, look at his fourth quarter tonight. He goes for 21 points, seven for eight from the field, perfect from three, five for five. Oh, my God. Uh, and, 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 you know, the, the confidence he was displaying was looking like the best player on the court, which is saying a lot considering that collection of talent in the game tonight. I mean, this guys, this is an epic. This is a historically great duel. Um I'm sure ESPN Stats and Info will be on this later, but I mean... Uh, well, before the series, Brian, two players in history had scored 50 points in a series twice. Michael Jordan and Allen Iverson. And now two guys have done it in the same series against each other. Right. Just, I just mean, you know, scoring has inflated a little bit, but holy Moses. I mean, this is an epic, epic duel here. And I'll tell you, it's one thing, you know, you know, Utah is a very sound defensive team. And it's it's interesting to watch when, when Jokic and Murray get into their two man game where they're running pick and rolls and, and doing all kinds of stuff together. Um, which those two guys have had one of the best two men games in the league for the last few years, because they're both so dynamic with the ball and Jokic is such a great passer and he can do all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, watching the jazz, like communicate and work the angles, like they are really working hard. Go bear. Like he's working hard. He's communicating with uh, Mitchell or Conley um, or Royce O'Neal, whoever his uh, perimeter defender is, who's, who's working with who's working on Murray. Like you can see them really, really working it. They've put in the effort. They've put in the film study and they're still getting beat by it. Um, you know, good offense beats good defense in basketball, but uh, we're going to have a game seven in that series on Tuesday. And um I don't know. I mean, you know, this has been a, a series of runs. I mean, obviously Denver wins game one, then Utah wins three in a row. Now Denver's come back and won um, and won two in a row. Uh, you know, there's there's not a whole hell of a lot. It's obviously happened, you know, a few, maybe a, a maybe a dozen plus times, but there's not a lot of 3-1 comebacks in NBA history. Um, so we have a heck of a series there. Um, I mentioned a minute ago, Anthony Davis and LeBron. Um, the game the last two games that the Lakers played um, 
Monday, uh, game five or game uh, four, and then uh, Saturday's game five to finish off the Blazers. Um, that right there, for anybody who wants to say that this is going to be the Lakers' year, uh, that they're going to do it, that right there, those two games were two of the most complete performances uh, of the year, Dave. And um, you uh, are with the Lakers all the time. And um, the performance that Le- I mean, it's it's not quite the the uh, when they both scored 40, when Kyrie and LeBron scored 40 in, in game five of the finals in an elimination road game. That's still probably going to be at the top of the list for LeBron's uh, all-time teammate performances. But um, it's in that ballpark. And Let's if, settle down. Let's settle down with that. Well, Let's well, I mean, Game five of the NBA it, Finals against the Warriors, an elimination game against well, instead of playing a Blazers team saying. that's decimated with injuries. Well, it, it, it's never been done. It, like, well, both have never been done, right? So, so, so never had two teammates score 40 in a finals game before. But this was the first time two guys both scored 35-plus while both shooting 70% from the field. I mean, uh, LeBron was 14 for 19. I'm not trying AD, to say they played AD bad. AD was 14 for 18. I'm not trying to say they <laughs> well, played bad. If we were trying to play, say they're playing bad, we would but, have to – No, I'm just saying, let's, let's, let's just settle down with comparing it to game five in the finals. That's all. I'm just saying it's not game five. It's not that level, but it's right. – you know. Okay. Anyway, that's not, that's not the hill I'm trying to fight on here. If indeed it is the Rockets who are up 3-2 and look – who knows what will happen there. But if indeed it is the Rockets in the next round for the Lakers, Dave, that series sets up as an Anthony Davis series. The Rockets are obviously going to play super small. Anthony Davis, I assume, is going to be the, quote, center. I'm putting up air quotes, center, um, for a lot of that. I don't even know if the Lakers will go through the motions of putting JaVale McGee out there to start the game. Um, Anthony Davis is going to have to play like this. Uh I'm not 43 points and shooting 70%, but this is what they need out of Anthony Davis. Uh, do you think that this this can continue? This is why the Lakers traded for him. This is the idea. Absolutely. And such an easy indicator for the level of engagement that Anthony Davis has in any given game is his amount of free throws attempted. And he was up near 10 a game in the Portland series, and it's just showing you that when he gets the ball – He's doing something with purpose. You know, he's so smart. He knows how to play angles. He knows how to use pump fakes. He knows how to get uh, the defense on its heels. And uh, at this stage of his career, he also gets the benefit of whistles. Uh, you know, he kind of has that lanky frame too, so he can sell the contact that he gets. And you know, that will be their anchor. But the the funny thing about that, if it is the Rockets, they start off their super small ball experiment against the Lakers. James Harden jumped center at, at Staples Center. And, uh, you know, the Rockets won that game. And uh, obviously, a lot's happened since then. So I'm not saying that that's evidence that, that the Rockets would have the upper hand in the series. But the Lakers, you know, to me, they're going to be playing a team that's comfortable shooting 63s a game. And if they get hot and make 20, and the Lakers are turning the ball over and not getting enough possessions to go through their normal efficient offense, they could be susceptible. And that's a, that's a dangerous opponent. Anthony Davis had, I mean, again, we're talking about February and not to mention what was on the Lakers' minds at that moment, but he did have 32 and 13 in that game. Um, I think he's, I think 32 and 13 is a good average for him for this <laughs> potential series, uh, Bontemps, because um, 
the Lakers have to pound them on the boards. That has that has to happen because um, Lakers run hot and cold from the outside. Yes, they were they were white hot from the from the perimeter shooting, especially over the last uh, three games of the series. Uh, into the bubble in the first game, they were ice cold. You're gonna you're gonna you know the Rockets are gonna outshoot them from the perimeter on balance over seven games or whatever over the series, however it lasts. But um, so they're gonna need to pound them on the boards, and that's Anthony Davis's job you know lebron and anthony davis gonna have to gonna have to really you know get hit hit the boards in that game and i think it's a fascinating potential matchup assuming they get one more win in the two games left against the thunder yeah i know i've been waiting for this series uh really since the bracket was set and it's it's a it's a complete contrast in styles and i I think it will be a fascinating matchup assuming the rockets can close this thing out and i mean look i think anthony davis needs to be the best player in the series for the lakers to win um all the as you guys both correctly pointed out all the matchups are in his favor. Like he's a super athlete. He can flap it on the court. He's going to be six inches taller than whoever's guarding him. He's got to be the dominant player that he can be and not the guy who has disappeared in some of the games down here. Um, he needs to be the guy like he was in game five against Portland. He needs to be the guy like he was against Rudy Gobert and the Jazz in the seeding games. Um, if he's playing like that, then yeah, I think they definitely can win this series. But to Dave's point, the Rockets are going to come in and bomb away from three. And they're going to get hot in some of these games. And if Westbrook is all right, which is obviously an if, you know, we've been talking throughout these seeding games and even in the first round about how the Lakers have been iffy on the perimeter. Well, they're certainly not going to out-perimeter the Rockets. So they're going to need LeBron attacking the rim. They're going to need AD to play great um, to to win that series. But I'm really excited to watch it because I think it's going to be just like, I mean, it's just, it's the ultimate contrast in styles. Like Dave said, I mean, you got one team that likes to play big and you got the other team that, Wants a bunch of six six guys out there. I think it's going to be super fun to watch. Bless you, Dave. Thank you. I was trying to find the mute button on this new technology, and I couldn't <laughs> find it in time. I, 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 you know, ten thousand air droplets just went in the air, but it's okay. You're, you're. I'm self-contained. Yes. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Nobody will. Um, yeah, I, you know, the interesting thing to me, Dave, in this series, you know, the Lakers get a lot out of Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee. They're, uh-huh. they're two of their more effective players. Um, I guess they could play him, but, uh, you know, I mean, uh, JaVale has shown that he can be good defensively. He can fly around, but, um, that's the whole point of this, this, this entire Rockets experiment, which started back in February, or I guess maybe January, they started it was for a moment like this was to make a team like the Lakers uncomfortable. And, um, and this is going to be the ultimate test of it. And, um, I guarantee you, that um, they're going to put a lot of pressure on the officials and that that's going to be a a factor in this series. Um, And that's, that's something that um, is one of their strategies. One of their strategies is to, is to unnerve you by, by the way they get to the foul line. So uh, I mean, this is, you know, this is the Western conference at its best Um, second round on it's going to be, it's going to be brutal. And Anthony, of course, has the size and the skill over anyone who's going to guard him on the Rockets side. But to me, it's fascinating to think about P.J. Tucker trying to get under his skin for an entire series. Uh, and what lengths will he go to? And we've seen P.J. already get into his own brouhaha in the Thunder series with Dennis Schroeder. But, you know, that's the guy who he recognizes that part of his role on that team is to be a bit of an instigator, is to be a fire hydrant in the lane, is to use, you know, elbows and tricks and, uh, you know, box outs with his butt 
in order to gain whatever little edge, whatever little inch he can. And will Anthony Davis have either requisite calm that will be required if the situation escalates or the, the requisite grit to push back if the refs are calling it that way? And uh, to me, that's a fascinating subplot. I'm also very curious to see how uh, the Rockets perimeter defenders do against LeBron because they're, they're a team that's pretty well suited to guard him. I mean, all their guys are basically built like fire hydrants, right? All, you know, whether it's Daniel House or Harden even or Eric Gordon, you mentioned P.J. Tucker, Dave, all, all these guys are kind of just built stocky guys and can kind of body up LeBron. And I'm curious to see how that goes too. Obviously, LeBron is still going to get his points, but you know, we've talked off and on about um, how teams with physical defenders with him have had some success against him this year and kind of dropping his numbers from where they normally are. And, you know, that is one area where I'm curious to see how, you know, that matches up too. So you're suggesting they might be a little bit tougher of a matchup than Gary Trent Jr.? <laughs> I think Gary Trent's actually played pretty well in this series. Yeah, but he was completely he, physically overmatched. Yeah, completely overmatched. I mean, the, yeah. the whole Portland team was overmatched. You know, I mean, it, I mean, they fought as hard as they could, but, you know, by the end of it, it was just not a fair fight. Well, obviously, because, you know, um, D- Damien got hurt. But, I mean, uh, the Lakers had such a huge advantage at the forward spots. I mean, I guess LeBron's a, a po- the, is the point guard. But, you know, he's he's you're going to have to defend him with a forward if you don't want to get obliterated. And they just they didn't have it. They didn't have it. And it, it took the Lakers a, a game to get traction. And so, you know, the idea at the start of it was that maybe Damon, CJ, and, and Nurkic could do enough damage on offense that they could overcome their defense. And they did for one game. Uh, when the Lakers just shot the ball so poorly, they sort of helped them, and then and then it just sort of went downhill. But um, I, I want to ask you this: I don't know if he's the number one draft choice, but he's certainly in the top five or seven. Uh, PJ Tucker of guys I would not hit in the groin. <laughs> he's high on the list. There's no um, question. So, um, uh, and he and Dennis Schroeder got fined twenty five grand for that, and then PJ Tucker got fined twenty five grand for headbutting him back. Um, <laughs> let's keep an eye on that one and make sure everybody's uh, around for a potential game one because uh, that was an interesting uh, situation. Also in that series, um, there's been some other groin shots that have happened in that series. Who knows whether they were uh, on purpose or inadvertent, but. Um, that one is going to get a little testy. And, uh, ah. uh, oh, good job, Dave. Thank you. For <laughs> you can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hit strikeouts, Grand Salami's web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Speaking of uh, speaking of cheap shots, I guess um, Marcus Morris today gets ejected for hammering Luka Doncic. Um, I want to uh, tip my hat to Doc Rivers, who not only said during the in-game interview, but then backed it up after the game that he didn't think 
that that Marcus Morris should have got ejected for um, spiking uh, Luka Doncic in the head neck area <laughs> after the game. Um, Marcus Morris said, "Yeah, they had to make that call. <laughs> he didn't even he didn't even like try to pretend like that wasn't a flagrant too." Um, and so now there's Marcus Morris. The Morris twins are, are, are this. They've got a bit of a history. Um, and so now, um, you know, there is already a little bit of uh, animosity there because uh, Marcus Morris stepped on Luca's bad ankle in uh, in Game Five, where it was unclear. He vehemently denied they did it on purpose. Um, and then in the reporting, um, Tim McMahon uh, wrote about it. Um, the Mavericks felt that he went up under Luca, which is a which is an all time. Uh, thing that happens uh one of those gray area plays that you could just never really prove it um you you know bruce bowen was accused of this for for years um they felt that he went up under him on another on a three-point shot where he tried to land um uh so uh dave did you see that play um i I did and it wasn't a play on the ball. Like, come on. I mean, he gets him with his left hand. He gets him with his right hand. It's a karate chop across the neck. Uh, you know, Luca took on a fortunate tumble. I don't know if he intended for him to have his head bounce on the floor after he got the contact. But what are we doing here? That's not basketball. It's ridiculous. And, you know, I didn't actually find it to be in, in the best taste. But there was a tweet by the former Suns GM, Ryan McDonough. I actually sent it to Bontemps when I saw it. And he was like, try to tell you about Marcus Morris, guys, uh, when that happened. Um, basically saying, like, I washed my hands of this guy long ago, and this is the type of stuff that happens. <laughs> After he signed him to a $32 million extension. I mean, <laughs> it wasn't like, oh, I mean, uh, uh, you acquired him and then you extended him. Well, maybe he didn't acquire him. I don't know. But I, I know he extended him. So. Do we lose Tim? I'm here. Oh. What's going on over there? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure. People, some some of the uh, TV people are yelling. I don't know what's going. Oh, on. oh, okay. Uh, so Tim, but you know, one of the things is, um, this is the playoffs, and let's uh, remind everybody of the Draymond Green rule. Um, that is correct. Uh, you get how many flagrant? Uh, how many flagrant points? And where so, is Marcus Morris at now? So over the course of the playoffs. Uh, you are able to accrue up to four flagrant foul points before you get accrue and a suspension. Well, you can recruit three. Once you right. get four, you, you get When you get to four flagrant foul points, you get a suspension for a game. And then every point after that, you get another suspension for a game. Uh, as we all remember, back in 2016, we were all in Oakland for game five of the finals when Draymond Green was suspended uh, after he had a groin shot to LeBron James at the end of game four of that series. And Marcus Morris now has two flagrant foul points. And given the Clippers are going to be around in the playoffs for a while, that is something to monitor because Marcus Morris is a pretty key player for them. And if they don't have him for a crucial conference finals game or an NBA finals game, uh, we will look back on, you know, this play in the first round, just like we look back on Draymond Green body slamming uh, one of the Rockets. I think it was Michael Beasley at the end of a game in their first round series for absolutely no reason, getting a flagrant foul. So yeah, he also the other remember. one was when he uh, when he made contact with Stephen Adams in between the legs, and uh, th- he also got a f- so he got a flagrant for that as well. So the interesting thing um, about this is now the Clippers, who sort of you know 
threw their shoulders back and, and decided to start playing the last two games. And even though Dallas was a very formidable opponent without, even without Porzingis, uh, they were, they were pretty impressive <laughs> in the last two games. They won game five by 40 and then game six coming down the stretch. Uh, Kawhi was just, you know, slipping the knife in. Uh, I think he made four mid range jumpers in a row. Basically they were unguardable. Um, you know they're looking at the winner of this uh, Utah uh, uh, Denver series. Which matchup, if you're if you're the Clippers, uh, Tim, which matchup are you are you looking? For, would you prefer? I don't care who wins the series, honestly. Uh, Dallas is a far more difficult opponent than either Utah or Denver, especially coming off a seven game slugfest. Uh, I'll be very surprised if um, the series goes more than five games. Uh, I think Dallas is really, really good, as we saw in this series. Uh, Might have been the third best team in the West. Uh, Happened to be the seventh seed because they were terrible in close games because they struggled in some close games in this series. Uh, And I I think they would have easily beaten either Utah or Denver in a series. So, you know, Hmm. maybe stylistically, you may rather play one or the other slightly, but I think they're fairly even, and I think Dallas is a lot better than both, so I'm not too concerned. Dave, you agree You agree that they're the third best team in the West right now, D- Dallas? Wow. Uh, no, I don't. Um, because maybe if we saw a healthy Christoph Porzingis for the whole series, we saw him for three games. So I, I don't think Dallas is a tougher opponent than those two teams. The other two teams are whole. You got Denver just added Gary Harris to the lineup. They've been missing since March. Uh, you know, Utah, who, you know, has one of the best tacticians in the league and Quinn Snyder, and, and he'll get those guys uh, with a sharp game plan to contend whoever they're playing. Not that Mike Malone's any slouch on the bench either. I I think they are just as worthy adversaries as, as Dallas is. None of them have the top-level talent that Luka is, but guess what? Luka didn't have 50 points twice in the series like those two teams had their leading scorer do either. So I, I think it's going to be a type of challenge that the Clippers need to actually have that Dallas series be a wake-up call and not fall back on, you know, what we'll do what we need to. Um, And the thing about, you know, Marcus Morris is that maybe this series is still going on with the Mavericks, if not for the play he provided early on in the series when Paul George was, you know, out to lunch. And so, you know, that could be a bigger loss than, than you anticipate if George doesn't stay locked in at the level he played in to finish that series. Well, Marcus Morris also is going to play a pretty big role defensively because it's either going to be Gobert, which I assume he'd get time with, or or Jokic. Um, although Ivica Zubac has played well. Um, you had an interesting take on Zubac, Tim. I was talking to you about this earlier. Yeah, I was talking to a scout during the game, and uh, you know he and I were talking about it. And he he reminds me a little bit of at least defensively of a young Marcus Saul, and that he he's very good positionally. He gets to use he's enormous like Gasol. He uses his body really well, and obviously he's not the passer that Gasol is, and he's not the offensive player. I mean, Mark's probably a Hall of Fame player, but I do really like him defensively. I think he's been really good in this series, um, and I, I think you know certainly he's going to have a, a much easier time. You know, especially if it's Gobert, you know, he can certainly body up Gobert in a way he would certainly have a little more trouble getting out on the perimeter with Porzingis on the early parts of this Dallas series. So I think having Zubac out there will help them a lot. 
I love listening to Dave's reactions when font ups. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, this one was a lot better than the Kyrie oh, okay. Mary one. But okay. also, Bontemps did couch both of them with the scout. So he, it's not his opinion. It's just some. Oh, some I, I, I agree. I mean, I, my, the, the Jamal, Jamal Murray's not Kyrie Irving. Let's... Well, I didn't say he was. I said, I said he reminds me of him. I think there's a lot of things that remind me of him. So, yeah, I'm, I stand by that. He reminds me of Eric LaSalle, but he's not Eric LaSalle. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> eric lasalle from er yes correct from uh coming to america uh soul glow fame yeah his hair his hairdo resembles eric lasalle's hairdo i see i see okay um that was glorious, that was glorious. <laughs> um so by the way, like uh, we had a very traumatic week here, uh, but the information that comes out that Porzingis has a torn meniscus, um, not good, not good. Uh, you know, he's already had the, the ACL and, you know, they, they made it sound like the meniscus wasn't serious. They were actually thinking about trying to dodge surgery on it. Um, the Mavericks future is extraordinarily bright because of Luca. Um, I, I think I think they may need to be on the hunt for another big time player. Number one, it's always a good idea to have three. Um, number two, I just don't know what you're gonna con- what you can trust out of Porzingis. Now, Bontemps they've signed Porzingis to a max contract. I mean, he is a core piece for them, and if he's healthy, he will be that core piece. But um, they are a team that has some decisions to make coming into this offseason. Um, some teams don't, but the Mavericks do. The Mavericks have some flexibility if they want it in this offseason. They do, but I, I would say that unless Anthony Davis wants to leave the Lakers, there's certainly not a guy that you would look at on the, the marketplace that would want to cause them to uh, use up the cast base that they would have in 2021 to have a max cap slot to go after you know, any of the LA guys that become free agents or obviously Giannis who becomes a free agent or, you know, any of the other star players that could hit the market that summer. So I, I think the much more likely path for them is, again, barring something weird happening, um, them, you know, trying to get through one more stopgap. You could year. sign somebody to a one-year contract. Right. They'll, they'll, they'll spend money, I would think, to try to get through next year. But I, I think their goal is going to be, you know, with Luca going into the final year of his rookie extension with Porzingis locked up, like, hey, let's go get another star have our big three and have a chance to be, you know, a dominant team in the West for a long time. I think that's the prudent thing to do. Absolutely. Um, it do always have to be planning though ahead now. And if I'm Luca, like I, I, maybe, maybe Luca will look at it like, man, okay, I can wait another year. We don't want to lock up a guy who wouldn't necessarily be the best long-term fit. But I mean, the way he was talking <laughs> after, you know, after game four of the playoff series, he was talking to the one, the dramatic win they had in overtime. He was talking about, yeah, I think we can win this series. And then tonight, after they lost the game, uh, he told Tim McMahon he expected to win the championship. Now, that could be just talk, but it could also be like, hey, this is, if I'm going to be playing for your franchise moving forward, like, you should be doing whatever you can in the moment to give me a chance to win. I'm pretty confident they're going to wait and spend their money. That's I'll, I'll, yeah, I mean, I'll Luca, Luca is a big time competitor. I can already tell you, the, the look on his face. I mean, I mean, Kawhi, by the way, Kawhi in the fourth quarter, I mentioned it briefly, but Kawhi in the fourth quarter of this game. Okay. Maybe his stats weren't Jamal Murray esque, but he just took them down on the sleeper hold. I mean, it was just quiet 
and deathly and scary. Um, just well, Dallas, chose to, Dallas chose to let him just uh, kind of eye up the basket and stand there and shoot from 18 feet about four times in a row. And if you well, want to do start, that, he's going to make he's going to make every single one of those shots. I don't care if they're they, quote unquote inefficient. They did start doubling him at the end, but it was too late. Yes. Um, by the way, I you know I know that Paul George has had that unorthodox release for years now, where he sort of flails his legs out on the way down. Um, but whenever Paul George shoots, I never think it's going in. <laughs> I mean, obviously it goes in. It has He has nights where it goes in a lot. Uh, whenever Kawhi shoots, I never think he's going to miss. Um, I, I may have talked about this on the podcast before, but I remember uh, doing television uh, on the sideline <laughs> back in those days uh, before the finals uh, last year and watching. I mean, and Tim, you went to dozens of Raptors games last year. But I remember seeing him go through his pre-game routine, you know, two and a half hours before the game with Jamal McGlure and then um, the assistant coach, uh, uh, Jeremy Castleberry. Yeah, Jeremy Castleberry, right. Yeah. Um, Now, Jamal McGlure is like 6'10". Now, granted, he's not Anthony Davis, okay, Uh, but he's still 6'10", and he would sort of guard him. And Kawhi would make a couple of arcs back and forth, and he would – I'm not even kidding you – he would make 30 in a row, 30, like 15 to 18 footers in a row um, over a six foot 10 guy. I mean, he wasn't a chair. Um, <laughs> the guy works on the shot. And by the way, Kawhi had 33, 14, seven and five, five steals today. Not bad in 40 minutes. Not bad. When, when he goes in, when he goes on to, uh, to isolation defense, there's not a dribble that you can take where you feel safe because his hands are so strong, so big, and so fast that any type of move that you try to make on him, and good luck on a crossover, because you think, you know, you've made this crossover 50,000 times, and you're like, this works on everybody, and I school people on my crossover forever. Well, the hand coming in there isn't as big, strong, and fast as as every, almost anybody you've ever played. So many dudes try to cross him. And even if he doesn't get the steal, he disrupts it. And it's just one of the things that he does that's uh, that's remarkable. Um, when he got into Terminator mode in the fourth quarter tonight, he, you know, and I think Kendrick Perkins may have been the first analyst to gain notoriety for saying Kawhi reminds him of Jordan. But there was this one little moment where I think he had uh, Dorian Finney-Smith on him. And he was on the left block and, and just kind of surveying what was in front of him. And he just held the ball behind him, palming it, just flailing it out, like away from his body. And it just reminded me of the way Jordan would do that and toy with Brent Price. Or, you know, there's there's clips. In, <laughs> Brent in, Price you know, taking right? some damage. Would well, you remember that clip where yes, he, he, yes. he was dangling it like a cat toy above Brent Price? <laughs> But it, so this was a lot shorter than that. But it, it was the the moment of like you can't do anything against me, and so I, I will hold the ball out here while I survey what's going on, and then I will move the ball to where I need to when it's time to do that. And it then, is amazing that he can get to his spot. Yep. Come hell or high water, he yep. can get to his spot. Yep. That was what I was going to say. I and I've I've just spent a lot of time watching him last year up close, and he um he just always gets to where he wants to go. Doesn't matter. He might not make every shot, but he he is going to get his shot every time. And that was the thing watching at the end in the fourth quarter. 
the Mavs just were kind of standing there guarding him. And I was like, if you're just going to let him stand there and look at the court and pull up and shoot from 18 feet, he's going to make every single one and not touch the rim, which is exactly what he did. And, you know, by the time they started to change it up, like you said, it was too late. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. All right, last topic I wanted to uh, go over. Um, I'm pretty excited about, and I don't think I'm alone, the start of the Bucks uh, Heat series, which starts on Monday. Um, this is the team with the number one overall seed playing the uh, the fourth. Actually, they're the five seed, right? They're the, they were the five. Um, this happens almost every year, and um, you know, sort of on the path. But I can't remember the last time I heard as much action and belief about the the low seed pulling an upset in the second round. You know, sometimes there's first round uh, upsets that are that are that are in vogue, but um, it's rare that you think of a, uh, you know, to, to be the team that was on the 70 win pace for a lot of the year. Um, Dave, the heat have looked terrific uh, in the bubble. They obviously, I mean, they, they dominated so much in the first round that they got Nate McMillan fired. Nate McMillan, you know, I mean, they, they, I mean, obviously there were other factors there, but they, they, they sent him on his way. Um, not something you hear from your average five seed. Uh, they are built to, to deal with the bucks and they, uh, have a couple of all-stars and they, they've got an iron will and they have confidence right now. Um, where do you see this? Uh, where do you see this going? Well, one, I am going to, uh, pat myself on the back because I, I think a podcast we did maybe when I first got down here. I said the Heat were my sleeper finals team. And you were like, what? Yeah, they are my sleeper finals team. They remain that way. And I think more people observing them, and it's just a first-round performance against the Indiana Pacers, a team that I don't think has made it out of the first round um, since Tim was in diapers. But um, we... Uh, you act like there, Tim is way younger than you. He's like four years younger than you. I'm just jealous. I'm just jealous. I think you got two years on me, though. I, I wish to <laughs> say. Um, but, you know, what impresses me about them is they have a purpose and they have a style and they have clear delineated roles. And, you know, I talked to our resident Jimmy Butler expert in Nick Friedle today, and he was on a Zoom call with Jimmy and just observing his demeanor. And, and uh, I don't want to talk out of school, but Nick told me he texted with Jimmy afterwards and said, you look as content as I've seen you in years uh, in this situation. And, That's something to be um, said when you've been in the bubble for seven weeks. Keep going. <laughs> right. But that matters. And, you know, be, between the switchability of their defense and tough-minded guys like Bam and Jimmy and, and just the three-point gunners, I mean, geez, I, I can't get enough of, of seeing the, their young guns just, you know, Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero just let it go from the outside. It, it's a dangerous team, and they you don't have the one glaring hole 
in terms of your best player being unreliable uh, when you sag off him and clog the lane and, and dare him to shoot. And, uh, you know, that, that could make for a really interesting series. I should see if the odds changed at all, because you're not the first person to mention Jimmy on that Zoom call today. I wonder if the odds changed at all. I wonder if the, the, the bookmakers saw Jimmy and were like, wait a minute, what does he know? Um, Bontemps, the way the, the, you know, you covered the Bucks in the playoffs quite a bit. Um, Mike Budenholzer has, has run into problems in, in the playoffs in the past with his defensive style. He has. I mean, that was a sly little shot that Dave took at Giannis, but I will say that Jimmy Butler, <laughs> Jimmy Butler has stopped shooting, period. So I would say that he has a bit of a similar problem uh, as Giannis does. But, um, no, listen, Mike Budenholzer, this is a huge playoffs for him. Uh, this is a guy who has repeatedly failed in the playoffs and has gotten repeatedly outcoached in the playoffs. And he needs to win in these playoffs. Like, I know it's a bubble. I know things are crazy and everything is, is not like it was supposed to be, but the Bucs should make the NBA Finals. To your point, they were on pace to win close to 70 games. They had an overwhelming statistical resume. They have the MVP of the league on their team. He's almost certainly going to win it again. They should make the Finals this year. And if they don't, it's probably going to be because he got outcoached again, just like he did last year in the Eastern Conference Finals. And he has a chance to be outcoached in the second round. Uh, I picked Miami to win this series in our predictions with one qualifier that uh, in game four of the Heat Pacer series, Jimmy Butler basically couldn't move his left arm. Uh, he was playing with one arm. It was one of the stranger things I've ever seen. Uh, the Heat said after the game he had a soft tissue injury, which I thought it was kind of odd that he couldn't lift his arm. He had a soft Especially considering injury. that there's been these new rules about uh, yeah. you have to be honest with injuries. Correct. Which- but go ahead. Yes. No. So I, that is a one qualifier because if Jimmy Butler's playing with one arm, I, I don't think Miami can win this series. But for all the reasons that you guys laid out, the Heat are the perfect matchup for the Bucks. They have a bunch of Dave, maybe he just had really good painkillers. That's why he was in a oh, good touch of mellow mood. They have a bunch of guys who can shoot above the break three pointers, whether it's Duncan Robinson, whether it's Tyler Hero, or it's Kelly Olynyk, another floor spacing five like Nikola Vucevic, who gave the Bucks a lot of trouble in the first round. And they've got a ton of tough versatile defensive players, whether it's Jimmy, Bam Adebayo, Jay Crowder, Andre Godala, all these guys that can throw at Giannis over the course of a seven-game series. And they have, in my opinion, one of the two or three best coaches in the league in Eric Spolstra. So I think they have all the pieces to win this series. Now, we've seen Jimmy wear down in the playoffs over time. He plays a very physical style. Um, but he and Goran Dragic are the kind of players who can get in the paint and cause the Bucks trouble. And remember, during the regular season, the Heat won the two regular season games they played. And in the seeding games, without J- both Jimmy and Goron, they were up by nearly 30 points in the first half before their team basically ran out of gas in the second half because they had nobody who could get in the paint. So I really like Miami in this series. And I'll tell you what, it's, this is going to be a huge moment for the Bucs because this is a real live team. And, you know, they did not look good in the seeding games. They did not look good in this first-round series. Uh, I know the numbers say they won every game by 15 or so points. They were not impressive in beating a pretty bad and depleted Orlando team. And, you know, this is put up or shut up time in the conference semifinals and the conference finals for this team, having to beat Miami and then either Boston or Toronto. They're going to have to play a heck of a lot better if they want to get the NBA finals. Well, look, in a situation like this, if you are a two-time MVP, typically what you're going to do is you're just going to freaking carry your team. You're going to say, guys, defend you know let's work our system defensively and 
uh, I'm putting up 30-point triple-doubles. Are you breaking news on the podcast, Brian, about the awards? I mean, he's he's going to be the MVP. I mean, Bontemps has run several legitimate <laughs> – That's um, true. That's true. Legitimate uh, polls, and they – they shut. They shut down the. You know. They said we weren't supposed to consider the the anything happened in Orlando. So, um, what was the latest result? The, the most recent it's seventy or seventy five first place votes. I mean, it would be truly staggering if he didn't yeah. win at this point. But whatever. Let, let's just take that out. You know. He. You know. If he is who we think he is, this is where you you grab. You know. If if your team's in a little bit of an issue, you just grab the game by the horns and take it. That's what you do. Right. You know, and well, it's like you were just talking about with Kawhi Leonard, right, Brian? And like last yeah. year in the playoffs, Kawhi proved to be, to me, the best 16-game player in the league. Go back to Draymond Green, right? There's 82-game players. There's 16-game players. Kawhi Leonard was unbelievable in those playoffs last year. And he out-dueled Giannis. Well, more than, it's 16, win, 16 wins. 16 right? wins. It's more than but, 16 games. But, but I, I, like, I like the I like the. But that's, what, that's, how, that's how Draymond framed it. 82-game player versus 16-game right. player. I, I, think it, I think it fits. To me – I've talked about this with Dave. He gets angry when I say it. I think Giannis is now the best 82-game player in the world. When you look over the course of the 82-game season, he brings it every night at both ends. He plays super hard. He puts up huge numbers. He's going to be the two-time MVP. He's in his prime. But to Dave's, to Dave's point, he has not proven he can do it in the playoffs yet. And like Budenholzer, this, to me, this is, this is a huge moment for him. Can he, like you said, put his team on his back and get them to the NBA Finals? You know, that this is a, you know, it's not, I mean, it's, he's still early enough his career. It's not like a referendum on his whole career, but this is a big moment for him. And let's see if he can put his team on his back and do that because, you know, there's no reason to think they shouldn't be able to win these two rounds if, if he's the player he is or people think he is. And Budenholz is the coach that people think he is. What I suspect will happen in this series is that because of the nature of the three point shot, you may see a game or two where the Heat are ungodly, where you know the, the Bucks defense gives up the three. Duncan Robinson hits set, you know, seven of ten. Tyler Hero comes off the bench, hits you know five of nine, and they put up 127 points. And you're like, this will be a five game series to the Heat. And then you may see another game where like the Heat can't hit anything. And while their defense is built and Bam Adebayo is a dynamic enough playmaker, you know, that, 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 you know, they may be able to stay in it. You may see a game where you're like, the Heat can't win four games out of seven or four games out of six or whatever is needed. Um, I suspect it's going to be a little bit of a back and forth here where each team may look good uh, on different nights in the, in the early part of the series. Um, but I have talked in the past about the matrix moment um, which I've talked about maybe having to retire because, you know, the youngsters don't know what the matrix is. It's a 20 year old movie, but um, Giannis hasn't had the matrix moment yet. Uh, LeBron had it against the, uh, the Pistons. Uh, I would almost argue that Durant had it in, uh, in Turkey in the world cup in 2010, but we could move on with, with Durantologists on that. Um, Steph has a couple of different candidates for it, but you get to a point where you realize um, you can control the you can control the game. Kawhi is has had it. I don't know if I can pinpoint a moment, but he he goes into neo mode. Um, I'm waiting for Giannis to do that. Two years ago, uh, he wasn't ready, and um, they had a, they had a game seven. It was in Boston. It was a lot to ask for him to do that in a, in a road game seven. Um, but okay, he you know he didn't do it last year. 
it was, you know, they badly needed it as the Raptors were roaring back against them in the conference finals. He couldn't do it. He maybe got flat out out last year. Yeah. By Kawhi. Yeah. yeah. So, so maybe this is, maybe this is the moment. And, you know, I'm not saying it would happen in a game one, but maybe this is the moment. I mean, but this has been a, yeah, go ahead. Interesting Dave. enough. Yeah. Just interesting enough. Like, I think the same conversation is being applied to Anthony Davis. And, <laughs> like, it could be whoever finds himself in the matrix between Davis and Giannis could be the team that hoists the Larry O'Brien trophy. Yeah, but they got to get past the the Neo of the Western Conference. He plays for the Clippers first, don't? Because that guy has he he. he They're not beating the, the Clippers. I'll just say that now. <laughs> wow, we we went this long before we got the straight fire from you, Tim. So I'm glad we got it. Glad we got it out. Well, it's just dangerous to say that because we just don't know the health of everything. I mean, There's just sure. so much obviously, if if Kawhi Leonard is hurt, then yes, my prediction would it would change. I'm saying if the teams are healthy, I like the Clippers to win that series. But I will say that the Clippers had to play. For the first time in in uh, in the 13 months since they got Kawhi and Paul George, it was two two, um, facing a formidable opponent, reasonably formidable opponent in Luca, and the two performances that they put out were very indicative of the capability that they have. Just I've just um, seen it from Kawhi last year. I just yeah. Until further notice, I'm I'm gonna ride it with that guy. It's it's not <laughs> the worst. A, be some other guy. <laughs> We've seen a, a few dominant it's, games from a big moments too. You know. He's been pretty good. That's why we're all excited. That's why we're excited about that potential series. Oh, yeah. Um, But there's a lot of stuff that has happened between before and now and then. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective podcast. Thank you to our gentlemen in the bubbles. Hang in there, guys. How how many days have you guys been there now? Tim keeps a daily tracker. So, Tim, where are we at? 34. 34 34. days. And you have have how many more left, potentially? Uh... If this, if, I'm not sure if it's changed at all, but it's about well, 44. They may, they may be pushing back the final yeah, it's, a few days. It's about, it's about 44. So you're not even, you're not even technically really at, at half yet. Listen, man, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world that's uh, not great. We're getting paid to watch basketball games. Well, that's, good. I, that's fair. That's fair. All right, gentlemen. That's important to point out. Thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective Podcast. Everybody have a great week coming up. We'll talk to you soon. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live.